Today's message is about the raising of Lazarus. And uh, there's a couple of my favorite stories. And uh, this, of course, is one. Um, because it, it speaks to us so often about what goes on in our life and how that difficult times come and we think that God has somehow failed. <laughs> that somehow we have prayed, prayed, sent things to God, prayed about things, and it just doesn't turn out the way that we, we wanted it to. And so this is particularly is true with this story here with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Now, we've got to understand that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are the three closest friends of Jesus outside of the disciples, and maybe even more than some of the disciples. Uh, when Jesus comes to their town, he stays with them. They always, you know, prepare meals for him and he and the disciples. And so they are, they are close, as it were, as family, as we could say family, but they are very close friends. Well, anyhow, verse, chapter 11, verse 1, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. So this is the setting of, of the story that we have. Your dear friend is very sick. Okay. Now, it isn't like this is a stranger. This isn't like um, he, he doesn't know this group of individuals. So they send a message to Jesus, your, your friend Lazarus is sick. Well, when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed there uh, for the next two days. Finally, his disciples said, let's go back to Judea. Uh, so we find that there is this setting. Jesus stayed two more days. Now, we find out, and as we continue to read on, that Lazarus, when he finally gets to um, Bethany, Jesus and the disciples get to Bethany, Lazarus has been in the tomb four days. Now, Jesus said that his, his sickness will not end in death. Now, for, for us, sometimes when we think of sickness and people dying, uh, we think, okay, they, their, their sickness, their life ended in death. But Jesus is giving us a perspective of life and of death that is different than anyone else has given to us in the history of mankind. Because he's teaching us about eternal life, and he's also preparing the hearts and, and lives of people that in a few, few days, he himself is going to die. So Jesus is setting the stage for the lives of people to prepare them for what is coming. Now, the challenge is, whenever we pray for something, we generally have it figured out in our mind how God can do it. <laughs> I was waiting for amens. But anyhow, <laughs> we, we have it pretty much outlined in our head what God is going to do and how he needs to do it in order to fix this situation. And so Jesus totally disrupts the situation. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't obey these ladies. <laughs> 
He doesn't listen to what they have to say. He has another agenda. So we find that in verse 9, uh, Jesus replied, There are 12 hours in the day, every day, during the day people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But a night, but at night there is a danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. So there's this challenge as to, okay, right and wrong. We're just talking about it in our society. It seems that right and wrong uh, don't have you know, don't have any footing anymore. It's just whatever people want, they're allowed to do. And uh, they get, is it where we call it, get away with it. So, but everyone is accountable. We are all accountable to God. And you see, when people take God out of the equation, there is nothing, there is no one to be accountable to. And there's no one that we can go to in our times of need. It's like, I'm in this for what I can get out of it because, you know, he who dies with the most toys wins. Remember, I don't remember that. <laughs> that was a little license plate or one of those stickers, you know. He who dies with the most toys wins. Or I'm out spilling, I'm out spilling. I'm out spending my kid's inheritance, you know. So, I'm, amen. <laughs> you can laugh at that. <laughs> your dad's going to do that. He's going to spend your inheritance. So, um, again, when Mary and Martha are looking at this, Lazarus is sick. Everything, mostly everything that Jesus has done has been to recover for people who were blind to see, for people who are lame to be healed, things like that. On two occasions, Jesus raised the, uh, uh, the daughter of Jairus, uh, and he, she was dead, and he raised her from the dead, and there was a uh, a funeral procession in which they were taking a young man to the, to the cemetery, to the grave, and Jesus raised him from the dead. So there are two occasions in which this took place, but Mary and Martha, they, again, they have an understanding of what needs to be done. Verse 14. Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he told them, Lazarus is dead. So he, he uses the euphemism of sleep. Now, we don't tell children, don't worry, Grandpa fell asleep. He just didn't wake up. <laughs> so what does that mean? You're not putting me to sleep. <laughs> I'm not going to bed. And I'm, you know, so we, rather than trying to say, well, Grandpa, you know, gave his heart, gave out, or whomever, whatever happened, his heart stopped functioning, and he, and he died but everything that is life in him goes to heaven to be with God. And so we don't, you know, so Jesus uses this euphemism of sleep as something to be awakened from. You know, when you're sleeping, you can get, you can get woken, you can get awoken up. <laughs> you know, the alarm goes off or, you know, something happens and, you know, you, you wake up. All right, well, when the trump of God sounds and the dead in Christ shall rise, there is a great awakening coming and the body and the soul will be reunited. But Jesus looks and he's, he's preparing us for this understanding of a resurrection, that because he lives, we will live also. Do you know how important it is for us to know that? Most of the world, at least half of the world, doesn't have a concept of eternal life. 
Most of the world doesn't have an understanding of being resurrected from the dead. <laughs> Do you realize how privileged we are? We have knowledge of he who is risen from the dead. Now, <laughs> I was, again, watching my archaeological whatevers, you know, and it was interesting, um, the, the, one, the one archaeologist, he was in um, oh, one of the churches, the Jacob's Well, and there was a, there was a church there over top of Jacob's Well. And, um, and they were talking, he says, there, he, he quoted a, 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 an author from about 130, you know, AD 130, and um, he says, these, he wrote about these things and about the church and about Christians and about Jesus, okay, AD 130. And there have been, Jesus is, he, he's talking about this, there have been Christians in Jerusalem and in the surrounding areas that are, have been around Jacob's well, and these are sites that are um, original sites. They're not uh, sites that people have, well, I think this happened here, that happened. No, these are original sites. This is Jacob's well, okay? Jacob dug it. Uh, you know, so he was using these illustrations to tell us that when, when people are, if you've been in Wimber for the last 120 years, uh, <laughs> well, you may not have been here at the beginning, uh, but perhaps your grandparents were, or perhaps your aunt or uncle or somebody's been here, and you've heard stories about this mine or that mine or that location. And so there is an oral history that goes on that even though it may not be written down, people still remember a site. They remember a place. Well, this archaeologist is talking about individuals writing about things that happened in the New Testament that happened with the Christians, and, and they are writing as in like the second generation where people have been told they didn't, they didn't see these things, but their friends told them about it. And so it isn't exaggerated, it is affirming to the word. So we find then that uh, Lazarus has died, and uh, Jesus says, for your sakes I am glad I wasn't there. <laughs> when Jesus says, for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there, it's like, I want you to know something. I know more than you do. <laughs> Jesus, you know, telling them that. I know more than you do. Because if I had been there, we would have all prayed for him to get well. But you see, you have a healing in mind. I have a resurrection in mind. <laughs> you see, you have one thing in mind. God has another thing in mind. So when we're praying about something that doesn't happen the way it is, it's the way that we pray, the way that we have it all thought out. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that God has everything under control. I got this, he says. You know, I got, I got this. You know, just take, take, you know, take a seat or take a stand or get in your car and go, take, you know, let's move on from here. So anyhow, um, I'm glad I wasn't there. So we move on to verse 19. And many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, well, let's go back to Martha stayed, Mary stayed in the house. Mary is the one, just some, a short time 
before this in the last, I don't know how many months. But anyhow, Jesus is in the, in the house, and Mary is sitting at his feet, listening, soaking in every word. Where's Martha at? She's in the kitchen. You know, there's a song, In the Kitchen with Martha. No, there isn't. But anyhow, Mary, Martha comes out and says to, to, to Jesus, tell Mary to get in the back here and help me, ki- help me cook. You know, the oven's not working. The microwave won't function. You know, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a hot place back here. <laughs> and Jesus says to Martha, 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 you are worried about many things. But Mary has chosen the best thing. Okay, so as you see this, you think about this. This is Dave McGeeism here. Mary is very, both Mary and Martha are disappointed. They, knew, they know, and they're going to state this, if you'd have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. And Mary, I think, is even more hurt than Martha because they truly believe that Jesus is capable of anything. And everything that they had experienced in their life led them to believe he could raise their brother, he could keep their brother from dying. But there's some things in our life that we figure has just passed. There's nothing God can do about it now. That's where we have to challenge our faith. Because there is something that God can do. We just haven't thought of it. It hasn't entered our hearts or minds, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So Martha got word that Jesus was coming. She went out to meet him. Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The big if. (laughs) If. It is, uh, you know, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. We find that there is this big if in the scriptures that if you believe. So the challenge is for us to look at the big if. And, and say to that big if, get out of my way. Put it someplace else. Get it out of the picture. Because Jesus can raise the dead. But they don't know this yet. They, don't, they haven't gone that far in their faith. And so if you had been here. So they definitely, it is an expression of faith that they believed that he could heal Lazarus. And he says, um, if you had been here. If you only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. <laughs> so it's almost like a half-hearted, I still believe in you, but not as much as before. <laughs> you let me down. Sometimes we, we put so much emphasis upon God doing something a certain way when it doesn't happen, we're let down. I've prayed. I've done all the right things. I said, I won't go there. <laughs> Fifteen religious quote, quotes. I've read, I've read scriptures. I've claimed this. I've claimed that. I've believed this. I've believed all those things that people have told me to believe. And I, I knew it was going to happen. And I knew it was going to happen. And it didn't happen. And I'm disappointed. I still believe, but I, I really, really, really don't know. So that's kind of what happens here with, with Martha. She's saying, God will give you whatever you ask. But I, 
this really hurts that you didn't show up. I thought we were friends. <laughs> Verse 23, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Now, okay, your brother's going to rise. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. <laughs> so she's wanting to have hope. Yeah, he's going to come back to life at the end when everybody else rises from the dead. But, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I, I believe that. And then Jesus gives her this profound message. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? <laughs> okay. Now, what Jesus is doing is he's taking the, the focus off of Martha's dead brother and putting it on her and exactly what does she believe. And Jesus tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. Everyone who believes in me will live. <laughs> They'll never die. Now, this is a real, <laughs> this, is, this is news to these individuals. They don't have this type of theology in their teaching. They don't have this type of understanding in their belief system. You know, and Jesus is telling them this, and he, you know, when Jesus tells us to come boldly into the presence of God, you know, to ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. These are admonitions for us to present ourselves before God and to ask. Yes, Lord, she said, verse 27, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who comes into the world from God. Then she returned to me. I believe. I've always believed but yet my brother is gone. So she returned to Mary, and um, she called Mary aside from the mourners and said, the teacher is here and he wants to see you. Mary immediately went to him, and Jesus had stayed outside of the village at the place where Martha and, uh, uh, met with him. Verse 32, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. How do you teach hope <laughs> in death? How do you convey a resurrection when death is already claimed? How do you, how do you proclaim healing when there's no hope of healing. Well, <laughs> when Jesus saw her weeping, saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up in him. He was deeply troubled. You know, the scripture says that Jesus is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. What is Jesus angry at? He's not angry at Mary and Martha. He's angry at the sorrow that sin has brought upon his world. He's angry at what sin and how the death has entered into the world and how that this, this understanding of death, this, this seemingly finality of death, sin has, has done this to 
his humanity that he created to live with him forever, and he's mad. He's, uh, he's ups- I won't say he's mad. He's upset with this. He's deeply moved. He's angry at it. He was deeply troubled. <laughs> where have you put him? <laughs> I don't know if he was stout with that, or, but where have you put him? He's, ang- he's upset with sin and, and you know, the, the audacity of sin to take the life of my friend, but to take the life of any of his children. Where have you laid him? They told him, Lord, come and see. Then, of course, verse 37, Jesus wept. He is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. Wept is uh, not just a tear, he just sobbed. He sobbed at the sorrow that he felt and the hopelessness of death. Whenever we face the difficulties of life, Jesus is there with us, just as he is here with Mary and Martha. They are weeping, they are broken, they are just at their wit's end. Their faith seems to have been shattered, and all their hopes, is in J- and Jesus is still there. He's standing there with him, and, it's, it, and what happens is they don't have a full view of who he is. And, and that in our life, I think, is our biggest challenge. We don't have a full view of who Jesus really is. We study, we learn, we hear, we teach, we talk about, but we still, we have as a looking through a glass darkly. We don't see the whole picture, but it takes life events to move us in a direction to expand our faith and expand what God will do in our life. And so, (laughs) the critics... Well, he healed the blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? (laughs) Don't you just love people? People who, you know, they just love to dig. You know, well, he he kept somebody else alive and he didn't show up in time for your brother. What's wrong with him? You know, he can't be God. God wouldn't do that. Forgive my sarcasm. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. You know, it's a good thing I'm not Jesus. Because I'd have turned to those guys and said, Hey, God, take care of that guy. You know, zap him. Shut him up. (laughs) I'll teach him. (laughs) I'll teach him to be sarcastic with me. You know, couldn't he keep him alive? He healed the blind. Couldn't he keep him alive? (sighs) Jesus was still angry and he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. (laughs) What an act of faith. But Martha, (laughs) Jesus, Lord, he has been dead for four days. He smells. (laughs) His body is decaying. I remember reading years ago that it it was something like three days after the death. There was a tradition that said three days after a death, the soul departed. Now, I, I can't remember where that was, but somewhere in my head that comes up. And so waiting four days was to literally say, and all the critics could, could know, he's dead. This man is dead. In all ser- seriousness, his soul has departed, his body is in the grave, his body is decaying, and he's gone. So Jesus says, 
Move the stone. <laughs> when we are told to believe, okay, and we are challenged, we've got a stone in front of the grave. We've got a stone in front of the tomb where we've buried our hopes and dreams of what God can do. We've got, a, we've got a stone in front of that, and, and it says, I prayed, and, you know, God was supposed to be here. He was supposed to answer that, and it didn't happen in a timely manner, and it's, it's been so long. It's gone. It's dead. It's impossible, so it's in the, it's in the grave, in the t- and don't move the stone. You know, it's, it's a dead thing. It don't mean, doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> okay, roll the stone away. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? So then, so they rolled the stone aside. Didn't I tell you that you will see? It's important that, that whenever we are moved, our, some people believe that um, faith is an emotional whatever, that we, people get worked up and they're led on some fairy, fairy tale cruise and, you know, Tinkerbell or whomever shows up and it's all, you know, wishy-wishy and things. That's faith. No, not at all. Jesus says, move the stone and you will see. (laughs) You will see. And this is the important part, I think. Father, thank you. (laughs) We did Solomon this morning in Sunday school. Solomon, whenever he was crowned king, he offered a thousand animals as a sacrifice to the glory of God. And he does does this whole thing, and never does he ask for what he wants. And God comes to him after all of this worship, his act of worship, that's what it was, sacrifice. After all that worship, what does he do? God shows up in his dreams and asks Solomon, what do you want? Ask. So here we are in this same situation. We are to be thankful. Jesus is thankful. And what is he? He has come to do the will of his Father. Father, I thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here. (laughs) So they will believe you sent me. He was instructing the crowd to believe that he was sent from the Father. He is the Messiah. (laughs) He is the Messiah. And he's instructing everyone. And everyone knows that he is there on a mission from the Father. Every one of us are on a mission from God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are on a mission to live our life for God. Nothing is impossible to those who believe and what we are called upon is to move the stone and, and look at the dead things that we have put in, a, in, in our past or in, a, in an unanswered prayer box and get it out and say, God, is this what you want in my life? I worship you and I praise you for who you are. Nothing is impossible with you. I will glorify your name whether it, whether it happens or not. You are in charge. I believe you are the Messiah. You are my Savior. I believe that I have a home in heaven with you forever. Everything is taken care of. I believe and I pray for. What miracle do you want? What miracle has God placed in your life? 
Then Jesus shouted. <laughs> now, he calls out Lazarus. If he would have just uh, shouted, come forth, the whole, all the grave, the whole cemetery would have woke up. <laughs> so he says, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. <laughs> Can you imagine Jesus saying to the, to the grave, Lazarus, come forth? The critics are still over there laughing about, he could have kept him from dying. <laughs> and here God is rolling the stone away. But you know what the critics did? They're not going to be outdone. We've got to kill Jesus and Lazarus both. Look what's happened. He can really raise the dead. What are we going to do now? <laughs> In our lives, we have to forgive them and let them go. <laughs> let the critics go. Let, you know, dogs are always going to bark. Let the critics go. Just let him go. God has a plan. God has a purpose. Well, how much faith do we believe Jesus will show up? Jesus has already shown up. So what is our... How do we glorify God? Give thanks to God. For he is good and he is wonderful. Read the Psalms. Read how others have praised God. Read their praises. Set our heart to be thankful. And Jesus says, Father, I thank you. I thank you. You always hear me when I pray. That's you and I. Every time we pray, we give thanks to God and know God always hears us when we pray. So in that context then, what's behind stone number one? What's behind grave the grave stone number one? Roll it aside. Jesus, I thank you. You always hear me when I pray. Lazarus, come forth. Jesus, heal this sickness. I thank you that you always hear me when I pray. God, I thank you. You have forgiven me of my sins. My name is in the book of life. You see, these things all come together. And what's going to happen in a few days? Jesus is going to be crucified. <laughs> but you know what? He's going to raise, be raised from the dead in th and three days later on Sunday morning. <laughs> so the challenge for us is to know Jesus is already setting up the disciples and his followers to know that there is such a thing as a resurrection. And everybody was, everybody was aware of it. For four days, Lazarus is dead. And mourners and grievers and people have come to and, and known about this. And he's a, they're friends of Jesus. Oh, this has made its way through Jerusalem, which is just up the road. And it's and through Bethany. It's all around that this Lazarus has died. The friend of Jesus is dead. What is he? What was wrong with him? Why didn't he show up? But there was a resurrection in mind, not a healing. God has something better in mind for what he's doing in our lives than what he's already done. Amen? So, Jesus, hear our prayer.
Hear our prayer, hear our praise, hear our worship. God, we thank you for all the wonderful things you've done and you are doing. And God, you're just opening the door for us. God, you're just preparing a way for us to know, our, know you better, to have a greater understanding. And what we thought was going to happen and didn't, you have a better thing planned. We believe. We believe in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus.